The Lord be with you. And also with you. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Alleluia. We gather for ordered worship to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered this morning for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it as we are able. May we stand in the praise of God.
pray together. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. The scripture reminds us, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear of him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Beloved, your life lived in faithful example may be the one sermon someone hears in the next seven days. As the choir guides us, may we bow and prepare ourselves for the joyful stewardship of the gospel given over to you and him and her and all. Let us offer our individual prayer of confession. remember in our living the word of scripture be kind to one another tender hearted 
forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first epistle of John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this way, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 22 with the Antiphon. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. Would you now please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and one who loves is born of God and knows God. One who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest to us, that he sent his Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the expiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God's love abides in us and is made whole in us. Can you sing an Easter Alleluia? An Easter Alleluia is ever a broken Alleluia. It is the love, affection, grace, power, mercy, and peace of God uttered, spoken, sung, heard in the midst of hurt. Every heart has secret sorrows. Every land has cavernous grief. Can you sing a broken Alleluia. No, we need not over-preach come Easter. We still walk by faith and not by sight. We still have this treasure in earthen vessels. We still see in mirrors dimly. We still hope for what we do not see and wait for it with patience for the resurrection follows, but does not replace the cross. Can you sing an Easter that is a broken Alleluia? Here we are at the very top, the very pinnacle, the highest point in the Gospel of John, which is the highest point in the New Testament, which is the highest point in the Scripture, which is the highest point in all of literature. And up here, the air is very thin, and the ground is icy. And there's a breeze blowing. Listen in the way the gospel today was first heard 20 centuries ago in a borrowed upper room. Candles lit. A meal served and received. A moment of singing. Another of prayer. Then a long susurration in silence and a longer susurration and silence. And then 50, 60, 70 together, left and right in circle, there was that Easter, Alleluia, in Antiphon, I am, I am the way, the way, I am, I am the truth, the truth, I am, I am the life, the life, I am bread, I am light, I am door, I am shepherd, I am resurrection. And the voice, the voice of Jesus, unlike any other, 
so equable, so magnanimous, so serene, is uttered, vocalized, spoken, heard in antiphon. No, not the voice of Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus on a donkey wearing a tunic and sandals and speaking Aramaic, but Jesus, the risen Christ, and the community constantly aware of his presence and glory, I am the way. So much so that everything else could go by the boards, could be bedazzled. There's a dazzling light in every word. This is a community that came through hurt, through dislocation, being given the bums rush and the heave-haw out of the synagogue, through disappointment, giving up the greatest hope of the earliest church. There come times, individually and as communities, where you have to say, what we once believed is not true. And with courage, John's community did about the expectation of the very end, the eschaton. And also, and especially more so, the departure, not only of Jesus, the Christ, Nazareth, speaking and teaching, but especially in that community of the leader, the evangelist, the patriarch, probably, who spoke. Whose words are these? I am the true vine. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, whose words? They are the words of Jesus, spoken and heard in candlelight, in a borrowed upper room, in the antiphonal voice, choral and individual, of the community who knew before and beyond anything else they knew, the presence had the awareness of the glory of the risen Christ. Can you hear that? It begs to be heard. Every heart has secret sorrows and every land has cavernous grief, including you and including me. Can you, through the singing and worship, as you lift those spirituals that remind us of 250 years of unrequited toil and 4 million in bonds, can you sing a broken Alleluia. As you sing those Charles Wesley hymns, Methodism was Protestant Christianity for the poor. We have gotten too far from the memory of what it meant for our people, your people, mine, to be outside, to be afraid, to have the back against the wall, to go hungry. So sing an Easter Alleluia, but stay in touch with your impoverished, even generations ago, past. There's a blaze of light in every word come singing in worship. Can you sing an Easter Alleluia engaged in history? We have no choice about history. It moves, Karl Marx said, history moves with iron necessity toward inevitable results. He was wrong, but he was right that it moves, and it ends up in results, affected not by activists, but by those engaged. 
An activist sends a check. One engaged makes a pledge. An activist goes on a walk. One engaged takes a place in the pew. Change comes through engagement. And engagement means history and contention and difference. Endless contention, intractable difference. Well, Dean Hill, how do you know anything about this? Answer, it's in your Bible. You probably have some whiplash from the scriptures of April. You're very keen listeners. You're very astute in receiving and interpreting the gospel. And you have then heard the gospel of John read and the first epistle of John read, both in the same worship services within a few minutes, even though they are at daggers drawn each to the other. So on April 8th, you heard the gospel read about paraclete spirit. For the gospel of John, there's one word. Spirit, presence, love. That's all you need. Love is all you need. Along comes first John, who always wants to make a little correction, a little redaction, a little editing, like the poem our mother taught us, James, James, Morrison, Morrison, ever, Witherby, George Dupree, took good care of his mother, though he was only three. James, James said to his mother, mother, he said, said he, you must never go down to the end of the town without consulting me. First John wants to be consulted. That's just about spirit, but in that very service, he uses the same word, paraclete, John 2, 2, referring to spirit? No. He substitutes Christ and Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ the righteous, even though righteousness is foreign to the fourth gospel. Or on April 15th, with the glorious gospel of resurrection, happened to be from Luke, it could have been, well, from John, celebrating presence and spirit and awareness Along comes First John to speak about work and ethics and organization and institution and leadership. He doesn't quite get to the stewardship campaign, but you need him. The gospel's wonderful, but it needs James James tailing along to correct and guide. Or on April 22nd, that glorious moment of the good shepherd who lays down his life to pick it up again. The cross is alone to Christ. It's not meant as a moral or ethical teaching in the Gospel of John. It is meant to show who Christ is, constantly present, even in the worst, so we can sing a broken Alleluia. But along comes First John, suggesting you might want to try that at home. No, that's not what the Gospel of John means at all. Jesus did it, you say? Well, yes, but you know, my dear friend, you're not Jesus, and neither am I. Crux sola nostra theologia, the cross alone, his. Or even this morning, this wonderful, I am the true vine, I am the vine, you are the branches, antiphonal singing, you can feel it 20 centuries later. And yet along comes 1 John, even after his most beautiful hymn, Beloved, let us love one another. And he has a word or three to say about lying and about hatred and about hatred between brothers. And why is that? Because within the first letter of John, there is brewing trouble between those who receive the gospel in one sense, the Docetus Gnostics, those headed to Montanus and Marcion, and those who receive it in another, 
those remaining and staying with the emerging great church, and pretty soon there's a split. In the gospel, the trouble is outside. In the letter, the trouble is inside. And here they both are even this morning, read in the same service, within a few moments of each other, at daggers drawn. Yes, history means engagement. Call it a dialectical movement between A and B following to C. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis, things shift. We have to watch, guide ourselves with them. Think about those on the plaza 50 years ago in 1968 who thought they had the world by the tail, and in many ways they did, except they woke up in 1969, and who greeted them? I believe his name and initials were Richard Milhouse Nixon. There's a movement in history. So yes, you have reason and obligation to be aware of and constantly critical of persons and personalities guiding and shaping life. You have reason and obligation to be concerned about the policies that flow from them as to whether they match up to what was read in the psalm a moment ago about the poor. And especially those of you who sit within the awareness of the presence of Christ in worship have every reason and obligation to be very careful about the forms of civil society, civil discourse, civil life that are more fundamental and nonetheless more fragile than any and all of the other. Can you sing a broken Easter alleluia as you engage in history? And can you sing such an alleluia this week in the challenge of the quotidian, the everyday challenge of life, where one speaks and one listens, choices are made, Niebuhr was right, history doesn't get us to heaven, for that we need faith and hope, in love, and uh, a friend or two, you know, friends give us ourselves back. Listen again to the voices north of the border, you know, in Montreal and elsewhere. These are voices that aren't so uh, full of braggadocio. They're not always set on doing something great. They're inclined to think if we could do something good or maybe even make it a little better, that might be a good start. Think of the voices of those humorous Montrealers who said with this quip, it's a self-deprecating, self-abnegating quip. They said, you know, we in Montreal could have had the best of all worlds. We could have had British culture and American government and French cuisine. Instead, we got British cuisine, American culture, and French government. They had a way of self-deprecating. This was our 40th Easter in ministry, but on the fourth or fifth Easter, one doesn't remember, we were way up in the woods in the snow. Spring comes exactly two weeks after Easter out there, no matter when Easter is. And there were two churches, and by grace and magic, my beloved spouse, partner, and wife, Jan, had been able to bring creatio ex nihilo choirs out of both of those congregations and to play the organ and, well, One was an organ, one was an appliance, but to play both places. We went down to preach the first sermon, and 
You know, I was in school, so I, I probably had four paragraphs of quotations in German. I know I used the phrase teleological suspension of the ethical. I'm sure I mentioned Rudolf Bodman. And out came these wonderful people. The Lord is risen. Thank you so much. Who is this Boltman guy? And on the way home, you know, you never lack for feedback if you listen a bit. Jan said, uh, Bob, now two kids in the back, another service in 20 minutes. She said, was that an Easter sermon? <laughs> there wasn't time to raise it from the dead before 11 o'clock. But that was an alleluia. And here is the point. It was a broken alleluia. Human. Can you sing a broken alleluia? You say I took the name in vain, but I didn't even know the name. And if I did, well, really, what's it to you? There's a blaze of light in every word. Whether you hear, you hear it in the holy or the broken, alleluia. That is the voice, speaking of Montreal, of Leonard Cohen. I did my best. It wasn't much. I tried to feel I couldn't touch. I told the truth. I didn't come to fool you. But even if it all went wrong, when I stand before the Lord of song, there'll be on my tongue a broken Alleluia. 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 And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but an Easter broken. Alleluia. By the singing of worship and engagement through history and the challenge of life. Can you sing a broken Alleluia? We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
Our true father, mother, thank you for providing the time, the space, and their awareness in our hearts to give gratitude for all that you have done, are doing, and continue to do. We are ready to be in awe. Your universal church nurtures and guides your creation to better know you and each other. It shows us how to live and love in the midst of seeming darkness. It casts the shadows off even, but if for small moments, so that we can glimpse the radiance of pure light. Help us to treat your world as though we understand that everything has in it this glow of goodness. Let us not abuse the air, the land, the water, or any creature who depends on it. And when we do so ignorant, show us, ignorantly, show us the way to better living. As First John states, let us love one another because love is from God. So if we know God, then we know love, and love cannot treat its sibling unjustly. It lifts its possessors to a place of holy fight for what is right, and it does not condemn anyone to be a victim or a victimizer, but reveals that God made them righteously. Allow love to fill us up so that it becomes entirely natural for us to care for the sick, sinning, and suffering. Let no earnest prayer go unanswered. Help our congregation to use our time together wisely so that we may grow in our affection, dedication, and understanding. As you wish us to be, let us be. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily real bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. 
We welcome you again to the nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are seated here with us at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, listening at home or in your car at 90.9 WBUR, or later via the podcast. Please know that, you, that we welcome your presence with us. For those of you seated here in the pews, we ask that you locate the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew and write your name and contact information so that we can get to know you better and your neighbor can get to know your name. This is the final week of classes for the spring semester here at Boston University, uh, aptly timed with the return of nicer weather, except for maybe not today. Uh, Regular chapel fellowship activities will take place through Wednesday of this week, after which they will go on hiatus until the fall semester. Thursday is our end of semester tradition global stress relief day. Students are invited to stop by between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. to the lower level of the chapel for free massages, henna, coloring, tea, and snacks. We will also be offering a restorative yoga class at 11 o'clock and a Zumba class at 3 p.m. All of it is free, and we hope you will join us to find some time to relax before exams begin. Once you're sufficiently relaxed and ready to take on your finals, we encourage you to participate in our study retreat from Friday, May 4th through Sunday, May 6th. Students will receive free breakfast, lunch, and dinner each day, as well as structured study times, accountability, and time for meditation and reflection. If you are interested, please register on the Marsh Chapel website at bu.edu chapel. Next Sunday after the service, we will hold our monthly potluck luncheon, but it, it, there's also an added bonus. Uh, please join us as we will celebrate the 12th year of Dean Robert Allen Hill's ministry to Marsh Chapel. I heard there might be cake. And finally, one of our staff members had a huge life-changing event happen this week. Our own Reverend Jen Quigley successfully defended her dissertation in New Testament and Early Christianity at Harvard Divinity School this past Monday, earning her PhD. Please join me in congratulating her. For all other chapel news and events, please visit our social media pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, let us remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
Blessed are you, God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your reign. Blessed be God forever. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. 